Welcome to the Bravest Kind Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Schaefer, and I am a firefighter and EMT in the Seattle area. I'm excited you're on this journey with me, and I look forward to sharing stories of brave and vulnerable individuals, as it is my sincere belief that by doing so, it gives us the ability to unlock bravery within ourselves. This is episode 28 of The Bravest Kind, and my guest today is Noel Metter. Noel is the president and CEO of Stronger Families, which is an organization that brings life-changing relationship skills to military, first responder, and veteran families so they can be strong and thrive. To date, Stronger Families has served over 50,000 military personnel, first responders, and their families. Noel and I discuss the unique occupational experiences and stressors experienced by military personnel and first responders and the impact that these can have on their relationships and families. We also dive into the power of defining moments in life and how these can change the course or trajectory of our own path. Noel also talks about his passion for service and how his life's work of creating tools and frameworks to support healthy relationships came about from he and his wife's desire to work on their own marriage amidst the daily stresses of life. While the mission of Stronger Families is to serve military and first responders, I asked Noel about relationship tips for couples not in these fields, and he delivers with practical tips to help strengthen any relationship. So, whether a first responder, active military, veteran, or none of the above, if you're looking to improve the quality of your marriage or relationship, there is some wisdom in here for you. A quick reminder before we start today's show, if you have not yet done so, please rate and subscribe to The Bravest Kind on either Apple or Spotify podcast and share the show with others. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, post and tag The Bravest Kind on social media. Find me, Ryan Schaefer, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Noel, thanks so much for joining me on my podcast, The Bravest Kind. Ryan, it is an honor, man. And it's only taken us like, I don't know, multiple <laughs> multiple shots at trying to align our schedules. But here we are. And you're wearing the, the blazer hat, man. I mean, like... You, I've, got, I've got to represent our Oregon connection. That's yes. right. Yeah, Noel and I were connected through a retired Kirkland firefighter, Tim Sears, who now works for Stronger Families. And yep. over the course of us... Uh, talking and getting to know one another. We found out that not only are we both from Oregon, but we are both from Medford, Oregon. Such a small world. Such a small world. Uh, of course, I went to the better of the two high schools. but you know, <laughs> That is debatable. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the Blazers, I guess the Blazers colors are the North Medford. You know, you are wearing the tornado colors, colors my friend. I am wearing the tornado <laughs> colors. There you go. All right. So, Noel, uh, I want to give our listeners a little background here about yeah. what we're going to be discussing today and specifically your organization, which really does a lot to serve military, veterans, uh, first responders, such as myself. I was just involved with your annual fundraising gala, and we'll discuss that a little bit. But if you could, if you could just give us some background about your organization, how you got involved, and ultimately, what is the mission of Stronger yeah. Families? For sure. Yeah, so the uh, organization is called Stronger Families, and uh, we exist to bring life-changing skills to our military first responder veterans so that they can be strong and thrive, man. It's as simple as that. Uh, we keep it really simple. And the truth is, is as we've been in the space, I've personally been in the space for uh, 12 years now, and I just continue to see just the huge need. I mean, you talk about these heroes and their families who are putting on the line, they're 
oftentimes going downrange. They're seeing just incredible, awful things, and then trying to come back home and be a good dad, be a good husband, be a, you know all those all those expectations. Um, and that's where we get involved, man. We just or we're passionate about helping them in their relationships, their marriage, their parenting, their families. Like, how do we help them bridge that gap between service and that call? And then being home and making sure that the family doesn't fall apart. So yeah, it's it's been such an honor to walk alongside some amazing, amazing people, yourself included. Uh, just well, yeah. So that's in a nutshell. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And that is a real thing. And obviously, I can't equate what I do compared to military and going on a deployment and seeing combat and being gone for months on end and years on end at times. But definitely on a smaller microcosm, it, it, it can be a challenge trying to live in those two worlds. Where I work, we do 48-hour shifts, so I've got this one mindset, and I know you and I talked about this, we're u- uber-focused and, and, and dealing with a lot of trauma and stress, and then to be able to come home and detach from that and be fully present for my wife and children and not bring home some of the less than savory things that we often see. Yeah. Uh, that, that can be a challenge. And, 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 and my wife and I attended one of the seminars that you put on, which I want to talk about some of those uh, topics here in just a little bit. But yeah, you do, you do a lot of great work. So I appreciate well, and um, am so thankful for you and your wife, Carissa, and, and everybody within your organization for, for doing what you're doing. It means a lot. Has the mission of Stronger Families always been geared towards military first responders? I know you said you got involved 12 years ago. How was it that... Yeah. You decided no, to work yeah. specifically with that group, and what need did you see? Yeah, yeah, no, it's not. It's um, so the organization was founded in 1993 by a guy named Jeff Kemp, and uh, amazing, amazing guy. Uh, he was a Seahawks quarterback, played for the 49ers, um, so he had that celebrity um, status. And in fact, his dad ran with Bob Dole back in the day oh, wow. uh, as VP candidate. Uh, so there's always the, the organization was founded around this whole idea of policy and how do you use policy to change family, um, which was totally in alignment with Jeff and his vision and those kind of things. Uh, when I joined the organization, we were kind of in a, I would say, trying to find who we were and what we were supposed to be doing. And I mean, apart from Jeff being out there speaking, it kind of didn't have a whole lot of like, other than advocacy, it didn't really have any meat or teeth in terms of changing lives. And so the transition point was 2020, uh, 20, uh, wait, what was it? 2008, I joined. 2009, 2010, if you guys remember back then, I mean, the whole economy crashed. And unfortunately, I think for nonprofits, those that didn't have a strong mission that people really could understand, they were the ones that basically, it was like, hey, this is great work, but we're going to fund this instead of that. And so we hit a massive crisis at that time. And um, thankful for Jeff, his leadership. He's like, man, I'm not the guy to lead this going into the future. And so he looked to me and he said, what do you think, man? Do you want to lead stronger families? And I joked that if I had known what I was signing up for, I probably said, (laughs) yeah, no, I'm good. I think you'll go find something else. But uh, in my young, you know, naive way, I was like, yeah, man, let's do this. And my wife and I, so getting to your question, my wife and I actually had developed a uh, relationship program down in Portland, Oregon, that was working with inner city families. Actually, we were working with basically anyone that was below the poverty line. Mm-hmm. We were, you know, extending a bunch of resources, and we were federally funded. It was an amazing, amazing time to kind of just reach into the fabric of um, those that are just dealing with a lot of financial crisis. And so we developed this, and from that came up to 
up to uh, Seattle to work with Jeff. And when this transition happened, uh, I was getting mentored by a two-star retired general. And he's like, no, this is so applicable to our military. And I'm like, I think so. And he's like, let me make some key introductions. So he started making introductions to um, some of the commanders at Joint Bases McCord. And they said, hey, we, we've got some opportunities for you to come in. And I'll never forget the final words from this general is like, all right, man, I've teed you up. Don't screw it up. These are million dollar seminars that you're about to go do. So don't screw it up. I'm like, thanks, sir. Yeah, uh, no pressure. <laughs> the rest is history, man. We went in there, worked with about 300 um, soldiers and their families at all points of deployment. And the success coming out of that, we had a lot of data behind it. It was unbelievable to see just the transformation that was happening around the relationship, like their communication, resolving conflict, the stress that they were dealing with. And, uh, you know, like they say, if something's working in the military, they're going to find a way to mm-hmm. extend that across. And that's really what happened with the organization. Got it. So you and Carissa, your wife, created these programs prior to Stronger Families. So that's obviously working on strengthening families and specifically strengthening marriages and relationship has really been, it seems as though, at the core of your ethos. Yeah. What did you see out there as it pertains to marriages that led you to creating tools and frameworks, even prior to becoming involved with Stronger Families? I'm really just speaking, I guess, about you specifically as a, as a person, as a human being, what, where did that come from? Totally. Well, you know, the jettison of this, all the programming that we've written from has actually been out of our own pain. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we got married and within the first couple of years, we realized, man, this is not for the faint of heart. Um, you know, uh, we're fortunate to not have the story of like mistrust or brokenness in that sense, but there was enough family of origin and just our differences I was a workaholic at the time in terms of the stuff I was doing. Um, And we just, we found ourselves in separate worlds. And so that's really where it started is our own brokenness, realizing, man, we don't know if we're going to make it. Um, And from that, I think we realized that so often, I think people, they get to that place where they're just, they grow apart. They realize that conflict just can't ever go away. And so the, the easiest, they think the easiest route forward is let's just get you know, make our separation, even if kids are included. Uh, fortunate for our story, we had a kid on the way. And so it was like, hey, let's let's see what we can do to salvage this. And uh, we went through some counseling and we went, I mean, we became, I, I like to say, marriage junkies, man. We just started consuming everything. That's, that's, our, that's our personalities. Like we're all in, right? And so we were like, hey, let's be all in on our relationship. In the course of, I don't know, probably six months to a year, the things that we learned and that we came across and the stuff that we were exposed to just fundamentally changed who we were. And we realized, man, there's so many people that need this. So, you know, the starting point was looking at, you know, this opportunity to serve low-income families. But I'll be honest, for the last 12, 12 years, it's just been all about our our heroes and their families, first responders, military. And because to be honest, I think a lot of times they are dealing with external factors that just compete for how do you deal with, you know, great communication? I mean, you could probably attest to this. I mean, to be good on the job, you've got to turn off the emotion and you've got to be able to be in a place where emotion doesn't factor into life, you know, decisions that are going to, you know, make or break someone in that moment. Right. 
Well, that emotion that you're turning off to do your job really well is the emotion that you need showing up into your home. Um, and so these are the kind of things that we talk about and help couples, you know, figure out how do you bring the emotion in the right places um, and and be present and all those kind of things. Yeah, you're 100% spot on. And I've talked about that with a lot of people, both here on, on my podcast and, and privately about that need to almost detach yeah. yourself from these really intense calls. You, yeah. you, you almost can't let emotions get in there. Otherwise, it's too much. But then it can be hard to flip that switch on yeah. and off as you're going back and forth between those two worlds. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we've been in this space for a long time and we see kind of like there's two different stories uh, for most couples. And it's the story of, hey, you know what, when the going gets hard, we just bail and we, you know, find our way. And 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 again, sometimes that is necessary. I mean, there, if it's so toxic and there's abuse, we're not advocates for people to stay together if they're in, in toxic, abusive sure. relationships. But Generally, they just find the easy button of like, hey, let's just start over. Let's go find someone else. And then you've got blended families, which I can tell you is there's, I mean, the statistics doesn't support them staying together. It's, it, they're working against them in, in that sense. Uh, so there's that category. But then there's also what I would call the category of uh, miserably married, but faithfully enduring crowd. Mm-hmm. And these are the people that are like, dude, we are in it to win it. And it doesn't matter if we just hate each other all the way through. We're going to stay married. And I'm like life is too short to live in that category, right? I mean, like be miserable. Um, yeah. And so like our whole vision is there's there's a place to be able to reconcile those differences, heal from those emotional traumas and really move forward together in a place that brings health, uh, not just to you individually, but to your whole family. Well, a couple of things here that I'm thinking about as you're talking there. First and foremost, you and Chris have how many children? You got four, man. You got four. Okay, you got four. <laughs> and you've been at this now with stronger families for 12 years. And then you did the work, as you talked about, down in Portland prior to yeah. that. I know how busy you are, how much you give yourself just from our interactions and what I know of you. I guess I'm wondering, do you find the time, the two of you, to continue to work on your own marriage? You're doing so much yeah. For others, I mean, a little bit similarly to myself as first responders, you give so much yeah. to, uh, to public service and, and military and, and everything that we're talking about. And then it can be tough to give to the family. You're giving yeah. so much to this organization. I know you travel a lot, facilitating seminars. You have four children that you need to give so <laughs> much time and attention to. Do you and Carissa still manage to find the time and, and still have that same passion for your own marriage? Yeah. that you do for helping others? It's a great question. And I think it's one that, you know, you constantly have to live that line between, am I the phony out there, you know, doing all these seminars and then it's falling apart at home. And I would say that, no, we're not in that place where we were three years or three years into our relationship. Where we were like, oh my gosh, I don't know if we're going to make it. But there's certainly seasons where we find that, man, when we're not applying these fundamental rules it doesn't matter if you're the author of the very thing that you're creating or you're the person who's never heard any of this. If you're not living this thing on a day-to-day basis, it's not going to just magically change. And I think what we've learned is there's some fundamental things in our relationship um, that need to be there. Uh, Part of it has been uh, with four kids and everything that we're doing, we just find that we've got to get away. Like we're in December where I got to go up to a board meeting. She's coming with me and we're spending a few extra days up there, just the two of us totally, you know, like it's just us, there's no kids. Like those moments, they're hard to get and they're they're 
obviously <laughs> everything's working against you to find those moments. But man, when that happens, it just is another piece of us reconnecting in a really significant way. Um, and those are good. And I think, I mean, we have actually done a fairly good job of making sure throughout the year we have those planned times away. But I'll tell you the thing that um, is probably the most difficult, and I, I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, do I do this right all the time? No. Um, but I know that I strive to do that. And that is it's the little things. Like each day, what are the little things that I can do to uh, demonstrate, to speak out uh, my affection, my love um, for my wife? And that's what creates the connection, right? I think sometimes we think this stuff is the grand stroke of whatever, right? We've got to do these massive things. And those are great. Those are good. But it really comes down to what's that daily temperature look like? You know what I mean? Are we running hot? Uh, how much have we withdrawn from the emotional bank account? You know? Uh, and so to answer your question, man, transparently, there's days where I suck at this. Like, I mean, it's like, and she's even said it, like, didn't, didn't we write this thing? Like, I mean, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, I know, I get, you know, and yet, so it's, it's tough. I mean, relationships are tough. And especially when you have a lot going on, um, and you've got a lot of competing things for your attention, starting your day and saying, okay, what am I going to do this week? That's going to make sure that there's a connection there. It's so huge. So huge. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I attended, as did my wife, uh, my wife and I attended one of your uh, seminars and there were so many great tools and takeaways from that. Uh, a few that I really liked, you provided a framework for almost arguing fairly, if, that, <laughs> if that's a proper way to say that, yeah, a, a communication it. tool, but it was really cool. It was almost <laughs> like setting aside a time and, and, and rules yeah. in a way for, our, if for eh, maybe not arguing is the right word, but disagreement or not, not understanding one another and, yep. and, and, and how to, how to potentially resolve that. Uh, also, you just talked about it's not just in one broad stroke of like doing some grand gesture. It's the daily things and something else that you did in that seminar was with the personality assessment and yep. determining if you're somebody that's more that that needs more physical contact or needs mm -hmm. uh, or another one it just simply time like going out on a 20 minute walk with your yep. with your loved one or another one was gifts and me, just more like small things right if you're out yep. at the grocery store and like oh i know my you know i know my husband or i know my wife loves this particular whatever, chocolate bar or yeah. grabbing some flowers, something, you know, just those little day-to-day -day moments just to know that you're thinking about them and understand them. So yeah, there was a lot of, I think things that probably inherently might know, but just those aha moments, yep. clicks. Yeah. It was really, really, yeah, really, really powerful. You said it best, man. I, I, you know, the stuff that we teach, I don't think it's, it's not rocket science, that's for sure. And it's probably been done in some other form, but I think it's, uh, for many, it's, how um, how do we move it from here, like the conscience, the, the, the from the mind down to living out of it? And that's the piece that's the hardest to transfer. It's like that eight inches or whatever it is between the heart and the mind that oftentimes is the biggest disconnect, right? Because if we're not living this stuff out and we have the knowledge of it, it really doesn't change the relationship. And so, um, you know, I think that just comes down to what kind of habits are we forming? You know, do we do this enough on a regular basis that we create that habit and that belief system that ultimately transforms a relationship? Because without that, I mean, you can attend all kinds of seminars out there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's not going to change your relationship. 
got to do it. Got to, got to put it into, you know, put it into play. That's for sure. So given your focus to help strengthen relationships and especially as it pertains to some of those unique stressors that we've talked about within military and first responders, and I know we, maybe we've touched upon this a little bit, but I'm wondering what advice you have for those listening that aren't military or first responders that can help support any marriage or relationship. So is the context like how how can they help those that are serving? No, 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 for them themselves. So somebody's listening right now and they're not military, they're not first responders, they're not a veteran. Maybe they don't have some of these uh, same stressors that I might have in my own line of work, but certainly there's life stressors, be it a career, be it kids, just be it life. Yeah, absolutely. What do you have for... Yeah, somebody that's not a first responder, not a military, uh, that they could put into play and maybe without even having a weekend to give to attend a seminar. Yeah. Uh, What's like like a a little nugget, a a marriage nugget for For that anybody could could use. I'm tracking. I'm I'm tracking. (laughs) Yeah, I I would say, um, well, let let me put some categories. If you're in a healthy relationship and you just feel like you're just not connected, I would say, evaluate, are you guys dating each other? Because if you think about when you first met the person that you're doing life with, you fell in love with them. They didn't fall in love with you because they're problem solving skills or that kind of stuff, but you felt like there is this connection. And so um, I would say, where's dates, date nights, right? Where it's just about you guys getting away to have some fun. Like that's a really simple way to make that investment, recreate that connection. Um, For those who maybe are struggling and like, man, we're just... We fight all the time. Uh, we have conflict in our relationship. Now, I always say that the starting place on that is um, to understand really where am I at in terms of this idea of empathy, right? And and so often we toss that word around and we don't really fully understand what it is. But empathy is choosing to say, I'm going to step into my partner's shoes for a moment to feel what they're feeling. And I have found that that simple step of moving towards them and saying, man, oh, I can imagine how much you, you know, are hurting right now or man, what I said last night, I can imagine that probably really hurt you. You know what I mean? Just that simple bridge of taking ownership and saying, I, I, I feel your pain can create an instant connection. And the last tip I just leave with this is simply this. There is something special when we connect and embrace each other. It's, it's um, all kinds of chemicals are released in our brain. Uh, they know this for, you know, from relationship science oxytocin is this bonding element. I don't think we touch enough. I'll be honest. I don't think couples touch enough. And if you're active or a physical touch, you probably are like, I need more of that. Come on, bring it in. If you're not, you're like, I'm good. But all of us, when we, you know, embrace each other and if maybe it's a kiss in the morning, a hug before we go out for a day of work, just that connection, you're releasing oxytocin, which is this, um, it's this bonding, nurturing, uh, release in your body that creates connection. You, you don't have to work at that, right? I mean, how hard is it to hug your spouse, give them a kiss? Uh, we like to say in our seminars, like, don't just like the peck, like seven seconds, hold that kiss and see what happens, right? I mean, these are just really small practical things, but it's the little things, man. It's the little it's things, little that things really and it is easy when you're in a marriage for a long time and yep. dealing with logistics of running out the door to get off to work and get the kids to school and start hammering through your to-do list. Yeah. It's, Sometimes it's we somebody, joke. It's, yeah. 
Yeah, sometimes we joke, we feel like the universe is working against the mm-hmm. relationships. You know what I mean? Like, it just is true. It's like everything's competing for the yeah. very thing that probably matters probably the most. matters the most. The most, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and probably now more than ever. I mean, if you think about what it was like living in hunter-gatherer time, you probably had, you know, once you had your basic needs met, yeah. you probably had a lot more time for Well, COVID, man. COVID is really changing the landscape of, of relationships. And I think that for some, for the better and for others, the absolute worst, because, yeah. you know, our tendencies, the things that we've been, you know, the, the little things that we were able to get over because we knew they're out the door. Now you're like living with them all the time. And yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, I can't stand you. You know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> it's exasperating the issues that I think so many times couples are like, ah, we can get, I mean, we literally have had military folks say, the only reason we're still married is because of the deployments. Yeah. Like I knew he was going to be gone for 15 months. And I was like, I get a break from him, a mental break, emotional yeah. break. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably oh, I, think the- it's, <laughs> I think it's the same in the fire service for sure. Right? Like being gone, you know, a lot of guys are like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to retire. I don't think, yeah. I, I don't think my wife wants me around that much. <laughs> she likes it when I'm gone for these long stretches. And Which is a whole other topic that we probably don't have time to cover in this podcast in terms of like, you know, how much of it is I versus we and that separation and all that. But nonetheless, it's, it's an interesting thought. And especially right now, people are still living in the COVID environment. So, yeah. yeah. You have an obvious and infectious passion for service. Where does that come from? Yeah. Gosh, man, you know, I get this question a lot, like, hey, did you serve? You know, just because we're working with all these heroes. And uh, my answer is no, I haven't. But I feel like in some ways I, I've been able to live through their stories and and all their journey. But um, it doesn't even start to describe what they've experienced. And I think that passion ultimately comes, uh, you know, part of it is my brother. He served. He was a Navy doctor. I watched him go through uh, three deployments, uh, actually four deployments, and then two different PCS moves. And uh, man, just tough stuff. And this was in the in a five year period. I mean, it was like it was during the you know height of Afghanistan when we were you know there, and he was going into Afghanistan training the Afghan doctors and all this kind of stuff. What he was exposed to wasn't like frontline you know traumatic things, but nonetheless, just the wear and tear on his relationship. So that was one thing that inspired me, and you know, just seeing the lack of community support that they had in their relationship when they were PCSing into the next place of, um, you know, the location transfer, uh, was certainly one of the things that stuck out to me. And then I think, you know, my relationship with this two-star retired general, the more he talked about what the need was, I just, you know, I don't, I don't think I realized at the time what our men and women, you know, who are on the front lines, what they give, uh, on a daily basis. Um, and I think most of America doesn't fully understand that. Like, I think we conceptually know that, Hey, yeah, they go over there to Iraq. It's tough. They come home, you know, like we, we see it on TV, but when you actually sit down and you start to hear the stories, not just of what they experienced downrange, but like what that meant when they came home and tried to reintegrate, man, there is nothing more important than serving those who serve us. Like I just, Hands down. I don't know how you could not get behind serving our heroes and our, if you really understood what they went through, um, I think everyone in America would say, yeah, we need to step up. And so that's what we're doing. We're just stepping up and saying, how can we serve? Where are the needs and how can we meet them? It's pretty, pretty it. simple. I love it. Yeah. My brother-in-law, my younger sister's husband is a West Point grad and he still mm. serves in the Washington National Guard. He's a Chinook helicopter pilot and he was deployed uh, it's probably been about six years ago now for his last deployment. But like you said, when you have a 
personal face to put to it, it really changes everything. And seeing my sister being on her own at home for an entire year and uh, gone for holidays and, uh, and just the constant daily stress of wondering if her husband's going to be okay and yeah. come back alive. And yeah. uh, it's, it, it, it does change the equation when you have a, a personal connection to it and where you're not just thinking about it, but you actually can see it. You have a line on your website that I really love. It says, never underestimate the power of a defining moment. Hmm. Can you share what that line means to you? And give an example of a defining moment in your own life that has really changed maybe the the course or trajectory of your own path. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, um, I think these, there are these moments in our lives where we don't fundamentally understand what's happening in that moment, but how we respond to it, how we show up to it, um, can be life altering. And, uh, I think one of those moments was, you know, we, uh, (laughs) <laughs> our transition to stronger families. Uh, we had just bought a home in Portland. We remodeled it. It was like our dream home. And we felt a call to move to Seattle and, you know, jump in with this organization at the time it was called Families Northwest. It didn't make sense. Like our friends were looking at it like, you're stupid. Like, why would you ever in a million years do that? Right. And uh, so we pack up I and mean, we ended up having to short sell our home. I mean, it was the worst story possible. We get up there. It's like a year of, tra- you know, I'm, I'm commuting. We get up there and uh, I'll never forget it. Uh, we finally move in. We're renting. We're like, okay, we made the transition. My wife's like three weeks away from delivering our second child. <laughs> and the board of directors comes to us and says, hey, uh, unfortunately, there's you know, the crisis um, financially. We're not able to su- sustain your guys' salaries. Uh, you're all been furloughed. And oh I'm gosh. sitting there looking at my wife who's looking at me going, Oh shit. Like, what are we going to do? Like, this is really, really bad. Um, we thought for sure that this was where we're supposed to be. And it was in that moment that I'm like, you know what? The story's not done yet. Like there's something bigger here. And that defining moment was, we could have said, you know what? We're going to, we're going to bag this whole thing. I'm going to go get another job. And, uh, we just felt like, nope, we're supposed to stay in this. And that moment was defining for us because what it ended up translating into is, you know, we've been able to serve almost 50,000 um, heroes and their families. And I, if you had asked me back then that, that was going to be the other side of this story, I would have laughed. I've been like, yeah, right. There's no way. Um, but, you know, I think that's what it means to us. It's just like literally there's these moments that are life altering. And uh, it's really, I think, comes down to how do we respond and where are we at to be able to receive that and say, OK, I'm going to move forward with maybe a lack of information, but I just know at my at a gut level, this is the right thing to move forward and to move into um, and see what happens. Well, I'm glad, and I can speak on behalf of everyone that you have helped and served over all of these years. I'm glad you trusted your gut and <laughs> had the faith and belief that something bigger still awaited within yeah. this organization for you. Absolutely. Now, you have facilitated seminars all around the world. Yeah. Is there a particular or any particular moments, a, a powerful moment, a crazy or interesting experience, a funny experience, like any anything? I'm sure you've had a ton, but <laughs> is there anything off the top of your head? How much time do you got, Ryan? Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, is there, what, what's, yeah, what's one of the more, like I said, powerful or interesting moments that really yeah. stands out from one of your experiences of leading these seminars? For sure. Well, the one that comes to the top of mind, we're over in Japan 
and uh, we're working in the military over there. And um, it was one of those things where, you know, uh, we walk into the room, a bunch of young um, airmen, sailors, you know, just I'm looking, I'm going like, these guys can't be older than 16. How in the mm-hmm. world are they married and have kids? You know, uh, anyway, we get rolling on this whole thing and I'll never forget this couple comes up and they just, they looked at, at me and they said, we, this is our last ditch effort. Um, we've tried everything. Nothing's working. Um, and they're like, honestly, I don't even know if the stuff that we're learning right now is really going to help our relationship. And I'll never forget, I asked the question. I said, do you feel like the more you guys talk, the worse it gets in your relationship? And they're like, absolutely. That's our biggest problem. The more we talk, we d- it turns into an argument. It just turns into conflict. And uh, so I had them, I said, you know what? I need you guys to step out of this seminar and I'm going to give you guys an exercise to do outside. It's going to be something you've never done in your entire life. It's going to probably feel really bizarre, but I want you just to go through with this. And they're like, okay, okay. And they're like, what, what kind of woo-woo thing are you coming up with, right? And so I basically did this whole thing, this exercise called positive flooding, because I realized in that moment that they had, there was such a deficit within each of them from hearing from their significant other about who they were and the value that they had. And so they literally did this exercise where they would circle, one of them sitting in a chair and they would circle going around. I mean, it was, it looked like, it looked woo-woo. It looked bizarre. I mean, mm-hmm. I kid you not, like they're outside, we're in Japan, she, she's circling him. And I had them do three different things. Like the first one is I want you to call out physical attributes that you just think are super attractive. And for 30 seconds, she'd walk around the chair and call out these things. And he's like, like, just like, I don't even know how to take this. Right. And then, and we talked about, and I had her do the emotionally, what are the things that just, you know, his personality. Um, and then, you know, I moved through these series of things. Then they switched, they hugged. And I'll tell you what, man, Ryan, it was one of those moments where, I watched them come into this and then talk to me before they had done this. And they were, you could, I mean, their body language just seemed like so, I mean, thousands of miles away. They went through this one exercise, it took them probably, I don't know, five minutes. And it was like a whole different couple coming back into it. And they were willing to go through with the silly, bizarre aspect of it, you know, and you, you can attest this, right? Like yeah. staring into your wife's eyes for four minutes, right? I mean, like stuff that we do is not conventional to, you know, couples being like, Oh yeah, I've done the marriage thing. You know what I mean? Like we're pushing the lines, but they were willing to kind of go all in in that moment. And uh, that was a defining moment. It all all stands out. That's super powerful. Yeah. Yeah, That actually, when you first started telling that story, I thought you were potentially going there with the, (laughs) I I challenge anybody listening (laughs) that has a significant other. One of the, one of the things that we went through in the workshop that Bonnie and I attended because you yeah. were just telling the story of this couple. And do you think that they talk too much without being heard Yeah, is simply being silent, not saying a word and yeah. staring into the other person's eyes Yeah, for, I believe it was for three minutes. She had us do that. And that John legend, you, buddy, it was oh, all of me, right. the that's whole song. Right. That's right. The whole song. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. So cue up. John Legend, all of me, stare into your significant other's eyes without uttering a word and just almost into their soul, really. So yeah, like you said, you have some outside the box way of doing things. And I think they're really, really effective and really impactful. Yeah. I have one other story if you have time. This one one I think is not as uh, cheery and and, and, uh, amazing, um, but it it will will forever stay with me. And 
I was at Fort Drum in, uh, you know, up, up in the New York area. And uh, it was, I mean, it was like winter, snow, um, but these couples were coming out. And I'll never forget this one couple, they were sitting in the front and you could, I could see within her, she was just so shut down emotionally, like just completely shut down. And he, the this guy, I mean, he was like, Mr. Charismatic. I mean, like all like every kind, you know, Hey, what's going on? You know, super friendly. I'm thinking, well, this is an interesting dynamic. Cause I mean, you, you get a, it's just, you get the you know, array of yeah. couples coming in. And so the you know, first day goes by um, second day, she's not in attendance and he's not there either. And I'm like, maybe they didn't, you know, think this was for them. And um, I'll never forget. We're wrapping up and I look up and there's, there she, the, the wife, she's in the back of the room and she's bawling. And I'm like, oh, she hasn't been here all day. Like, what, what's going on here? And uh, so I, well, fortunately, I was, um, I had the chaplain of the unit and they were, I was able to, you know, kind of say, hey, can you take on this activity that we're doing? I was able to go back and I'm like, you know, what's, what's going on? Like, I'm, yeah. you know, you guys were here yesterday and um, she opened up and, you know, confided, like, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's tried to strangle me. Um, I mean, like it was domestic violence big time, like, and here she felt safe enough to come back to this, um, this, uh, seminar that we were doing and confide, um, in, in the fact that, Hey, I don't, I, my life is, you know, being threatened and this is really bad stuff that's going on at home. And I'll never forget. I went from the mode of like, how many marriages can I save to, how quickly can I get this guy and her apart from each other? And, and we went through this whole um, protocol of like, okay, how are we going to separate them? And, you know, obviously a mandatory reporting aspect of it in terms of the chaplain getting involved. Um, but I just remember that was a profound moment in the sense that like, we're all for saving marriages, but at the same time, there's certain marriages that do not and should not be saved. And this was one of those situations where it's like, I want to do everything I can to protect this yeah. individual who is in harm's way, quite honestly. And, uh, so yeah, that was another kind of just yeah. crazy moment that we come across. Unfortunately, it's not on a regular basis, but from time to time, we're actually um, we're yeah. actually proponents of how do we get them apart. That's right. I mean, you here we've been talking about how to strengthen marriages and relationships, but yeah, you just saved yeah. a woman's life yeah. in all likelihood. Now, you recently had your annual. Stronger Families Hope for Heroes Gala yeah. at the end of October, which was awesome. And I had the fortune and opportunity to attend and even speak at. And it was just such yeah, a wonderful a phenomenal night. phenomenal keynote speaker. Oh, man. So, Ryan Schaefer, man. He just well, actually, I, I recall deliver. Matthew, <laughs> I, I recall Matthew McConaughey being the <laughs> keynote. Maybe, uh, maybe in 2022, we can change the order around. Uh, <laughs> But thank you. Yeah. No, it was, it was really wonderful. And my goodness, for those that have never had the opportunity of seeing John Curley run an auction, I mean, that's an experience all unto itself. I mean, that's that guy's a pure entertainment. Oh, he is phenomenal. He, I, he really I, is. There is no one like John Curley. That is for sure. I was blown away. I had no idea what to expect. And it, yeah. it, it was not that. And I just, <laughs> it, it was mesmerizing. Yeah. C- couldn't take my eyes off him. I mean, he just commanded, <laughs> commanded the room. But um, so, yes, just a, an, an incredible night with a lot of incredible people. And like I said, I felt really uh, honored and fortunate to be a small part of it. There was a stat that you gave that night when you were talking about fundraising goals and that the five-year goal 
of stronger families was to serve or is to serve 5% of all first responders and 20% of all military personnel. And right before we started recording, you had told me that that equates to almost 300,000 total people. So that is a very ambitious goal. And I absolutely love the ambition. How are you going to set about reaching those targets? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I, um, it, it really started with our board and a retreat that we were on this last year. And we looked at, looked at each other and said, you know, we've been doing amazing work. We've been able to serve 50,000 over the last, you know, 12 years. Um, but how do we accelerate that? How do we you know, really apply this whole idea of force multiplier and reach a much larger segment of uh, our heroes. Because the truth is, is that as much as I wish I could put stronger families out of business, as long as there's wars and as long as there is crime and there's as long as there is, you know, communities, there's going to be a need for these individuals. And that that part's not going away. And so I think we just realized, um, when you start looking at the stats, and I think you probably know this, I mean, there is more deaths by suicide than line of, um, you know, line of duty deaths, right? I mean, there we know veterans uh, commit suicide, you know, 22 uh, a day, I think is the last time I saw the stat. I mean, it's just tragic, tragic stuff that we're seeing. And oftentimes when you start to roll back the reports as to why they took their life, um, yes, there's trauma, there's things that, you know, associated, but oftentimes the final blow is the relationship explodes on them or implodes on them. And they just realize there's nothing worth living for at that point. Everything's been taken away from there's my career, you know, my family. And so, I mean, we just looked at that and said, Hey, how do we get preventative? How do we go upstream and make sure that we're protecting? And for us, it was like, let's go big or go home. Right. We like, we need to figure that out. So to answer your question, our whole model is one that's built on train the trainer. We don't, you know, deploy our staff all over the world. We do have, contractors that do this work. Um, we do have staff members that do it, but we also partner with um, agencies and uh, chaplains, uh, peer support teams, training them to bring this to their departments, to bring this to their units. Uh, so that's one layer of how we are going to scale this and begin to work. I mean, part of it is we have a relationship with the DOD and uh, have been approved to do a lot of the programming through the military. But the other part is we just have found a huge need in terms of being able to bring resources through the digital aspect of it, right? I mean, we're launching a podcast. I, I'm, I'm super excited. This, this is happening this year. I'm launching nice. a podcast with a guy named Kenny Thomas, who if you've watched the movie Black Hawk Down, he's one of the two survivors. Phenomenal storyteller. He speaks all over the world. And he and I are going to co-host a, uh, uh, a podcast, which we yeah. really believe, like our angle to this is like, how do we start interviewing you know, Navy SEALs that have gone down range, mm-hmm. not so much about their story being down range, but how do they, how do they significantly navigate coming back home from that and maintaining a close marriage, um, not allowing it to blow up on their kids? Like that kind of story, that's the kind of story that we want to tell. Um, so super excited about that. That's going to be one way that we're going to be able to increase that reach um, to get to the, you know, 200, 300,000 that we're, we're hoping. Um, but end of the day, it's, it's about, how can we reach them where they're at and then move them in a continuum of support? And some of that is coming to a retreat. Like we just got home from Alaska. We did a first responder retreat up there. It was amazing. I mean, these people, they're like, who are you? And why are you coming to Alaska? Like, right. And why am I paying $69 to go to a retreat at Elieska, this massive resort? This is ridiculous. I and mean, they, they literally, 
yeah, we thought this was like a scam. Like we're going to get scammed at this thing. And this one lady came right. up and she goes, here's the deal, man. I was going to give you one hour and then we were just going to enjoy the lodging. And she goes, in that first hour, I was blown away. Like I did not want to leave. So, you know, it's those kind of things that we're just, I mean, that's, I guess that's how we're going to do it. We figured out as a team and we're just, you know, continuing to find the need and then serve. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people probably have that mindset sometimes before going to something and not, not just, not just with this, but any kind of sure. seminar or workshop, right? What, what's the ulterior motive? What's the angle? Do I have the, when are they going to start have, asking have, for my money? All right. Or do I have the time for this? <laughs> and so it is tough, but I would say, you know, you don't have the time not to if yeah. you can invest that that weekend or whatever it is and then take those tools and actually put them in to work it it really is you, you do a lot of great work and and actual you know there's there's meat and potatoes to it yeah. this is it's uh it, it, you do a great job with it it's really well, well done thanks, so i you know, applaud applaud what you're doing and i applaud like i said that kind of ambition and it's necessary i, I love that about the podcast that you're doing yeah so you know i mean you look at the podcast i mean you know this the podcast uh landscape is super noisy and a lot of people are doing stories on you know um our heroes and their you know whether they are part of team sick you know you know what i mean yeah. like there's there's a lot of that jocko i mean i'm sure you followed it you know yeah. some of his stuff yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. good good stuff but we realize like no one's telling the story about the relationships back at home like i mean all these heroes are at some point they're having a define that reality and deal with that reality. And like, what does that story represent? And I think there's something magical that we get to bring to the airways to start telling that, that can help those who maybe are just starting out their career. Like, I mean, you think about when you first started out as a first round, how great would it have been to hear from some of these seasoned guys that have been, you know, dealing with us for 25 years, having them unpack their story about, you know, the things that they wish they could have gone back and changed. You know what I mean? Like those I are the know. kind of stories that we want yeah, to share. I know. I do know what you mean. In fact, Bonnie mentioned that during the seminar we went to because you had the retired Bellevue yeah. medic speak yep. at that seminar and about a lot of the PTSD and yeah. depression that he's dealt with and suicidal ideation. And then his wife came and spoke and Bonnie said that she's like, you know, you've been a firefighter for 10 years now. That's the first time that I've actually heard something from the perspective of the spouse. Yeah. It's like, I know I hear a lot of this stuff and you talk about it. And I've heard other people that have first responders that have been, or that have battled PTSD, but I've never heard a spouse talk about it and how they can help support their yeah. loved one. Yeah. And she said the same thing. She's like, how great would that be during the onboarding process of getting hired? If you had something like that, the opportunity to have someone yeah. speak and do a Q&A session and, and things like that. So totally. Yeah. As you were saying that and telling the story about coming back home, I don't know if you know who Ed Vesters is, but he's uh -huh. an American. He's a mountain climber and he's the first American that has summited all of the 8,000 meter uh, peaks in the world. And he wrote a book called No Shortcuts to the Top, I think is the title mm. of the book. But I just remember there's a line in there. He'd always say, getting to the top is optional getting back down is mandatory. Hmm. And it kind of speaks a little bit to this, yeah. right? You go on a deployment, you're talking about uh, these SEAL teams and this and that. Nobody's telling the story about what's going on back home or they're returning to home. And that's what he, you know, he's like, you can make a decision to cut a climb short because of weather or equipment failure, whatever the situation might be. 
you know, that you have some choices in that if you should not necessarily pushing on when everything is telling you not to. Yeah. So that was his thing is returning home is the mandatory aspect of mountain climbing, not reaching the summit. Yeah. I just thinking that as an analogy of like, yeah, we have all these things that we must, you know, that we think we need to do and that, and that, that we do need to do, but there's also the, you know, what are we doing back home? Yeah. It's probably it. the most important of all. All right. I've got a few parting shots for you here. <laughs> Let's do it. Like, I, like closing all of my, <laughs> all of my podcast interviews off with these. All right, Noel, so we're switching gears away from stronger families per se, okay. a non-living thing that you cannot live without. Hmm. Gosh, not a living thing. We can come back to that if we need to. <laughs> That's, I have never been asked that question in my entire <laughs> life, man. That's, that one, you have to take a moment to be like, okay, All right, think on it. non-living. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Think on it. I'm going to come back to that. Think on okay, it. Here you go. Okay. What advice would you give yourself if you could have a conversation with the 20-year-old version of Noel? Yeah, that's an easy one. Mm, slow down and play a whole lot more than you are. Slow down and play a whole lot more because my, my, my personality is a driver to the nth degree and slowing down is just not something I do very well. And playing is even more difficult. So I think those two things have profoundly, when I do do those things, creativity comes out. Um, my family likes to be around me, you know what I mean? Like all those kind of things. So yeah. And I do know the, the non-living one. Okay. I, I hate to say it, and I, I even shudder to think that this is in the category, <laughs> but it's probably my phone, man. Like it's, it's so sad, but I mean, like, I just realized how much, you know, making life happen and, and everything that is so connected. I hate the phone. I hate, I hate our phone. I mean, especially with my kids, man, I'm going to constantly harping them. Hey, get off your phone. And I'm like, well, how many hours are you doing? Noel? <laughs> yeah, see it. I know. I know. I know that too. Well, I know it's like yeah, you <laughs> harp on the kids to, uh, not be on phone, not be watching TV, not be playing video games. I mean, yeah. you know, and then, yeah, but then what do they see? They see my wife and I always on our computer or our phone. And so you're modeling, modeling behavior. Yep. You're not the, uh, yeah, you don't need to feel bad or ashamed about that. You're not that, you're not the first guest that has given that response. All right. Phone. All right. So it is a necessary evil of yeah. our lives here in 2021 and especially in the field that you do. And I, I know, like you said, this organization is based in uh, Seattle, but you recently moved your, with your family to Texas outside yeah. of Dallas. Yeah. You obviously work internationally. And yeah. so, yeah, you're not tied to a desk in yeah, one, if we ever go in back one to location, the- right. Uh, uh, every day. So yeah. yeah makes if sense. If we ever go back to the old landline, I don't know how yeah. Uh, America would exist. Honestly, it's yeah. like, wow, man. That, that's yeah, but like, we probably, we probably did slow down and play a lot more when it was just landlines. <laughs> that's exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Spoken like a true sage right there. Yeah. There's the irony <laughs> of it all. Right. Okay. Well, maybe this, maybe, maybe you just answered this question, but you are happiest when. Hmm. I would say, uh, this is, this has been something that, um, is recent, but, this summer, we had a chance to uh, rent a uh, ski boat, and I'll tell you, like, my family was on there, and we just, we laughed. I don't think we've laughed so much and had so much fun playing. Um, so I would have to say that that's one of the things we're aspiring for down here. We have a lake right behind us, and somehow, some way, we're going to figure out how to get some, you know, junker boat that we can go out there and just have a bunch of fun on. So, yeah. yeah. I love that. 
I love that. <laughs> I always tell that to Bonnie. I was like, should we have a boat up here? I mean, we're surrounded by water. And yeah. <laughs> the only difference is that we actually have sunshine for most yeah, of the year. Yeah, you can actually use it throughout the year. Yeah, yeah, here. I'm not going to rub that in, but, you know, yeah. we do have a lot of sunshine down here in Dallas. Yeah, I know. No, it, is, it is a little hard to justify, yeah, when you get about a two, three-month window to use it throughout the yeah. year. All right, Noel, you have to do something you are scared to do. What is your process of quieting that fear and proceeding anyways? Yeah, I, that's a good, good question. I, I think for me, it's, um, it, there's a, a bit of the taking time to logically think through what am I actually scared about? And is this a rational or irrational fear? Uh, so I think I use logic for that. And then I think the other element of it is um, my faith and saying, okay, you know, um, this might have profound consequences, but, you know, I'm going to go with what I believe is right and true. You know what I mean? So I, I guess faith and, and logic have been the two things that have helped in those moments of deep fear, um, be able to overcome. What does being brave mean to no matter? Uh, I think being brave is willing to do what others wouldn't in that, in that moment. I think it's willing to, um, step in versus run away from problems, situations. Uh, I think it's having a state of just being humble and a willingness to confront, you know, whatever that reality is in a way that says, you know what, um, it's more important for others to succeed than myself. I mean, those are, I think I would identify bravery as in those categories. Honestly, I think the most simple term of it is what I see our heroes do every single day. I think that's probably the most profound um, definition of it is, is, is watching what you guys encounter. And in spite of what many would look at and say, hell no, you're like, yeah, game on. Let's do this. Right on. Well, I think I speak for everybody. It's a job that we love to do and we're happy to do it. It's not the line of work that you just fall into. You know, some jobs you just fall into. That's not the case with being yeah. a first responder. It's a, it's a choice. Uh, for some, they probably refer to it as a calling and you know, everyone has their different reasons, but there's no doubt that it is a very pointed decision yeah. uh, when you go into this line of work. So yeah. last thing I would like to ask is if yeah. somebody listening right now wanted to donate to yeah. Stronger Families, is there a way to do that? Again, I know you had the fundraising gala, but yeah, is, yeah. There, is, that, is there something on the website that people can For go sure. and donate and, and how would they do that? So, yeah, uh, if they just go to strongerfamilies.com, a big old donate button. And uh, yeah, I think that's one thing that we just constantly stress is um, the, the financial giving of Stronger Families. It is, um, obviously we have to run an organization and pay staff and all that, but um, 85% of what we bring in goes directly back out to funding these events, these seminars, uh, the materials, the presenters, all that um, counseling. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we, we love, love uh, any support we can get because uh, the needs, it's, it's huge it's, it's, and it's only growing. Well, I can definitely attest to the importance and the power of that and seeing everything that you're doing in action. It uh, is all going to a great cause. And I want to thank you not only for joining me today on this podcast, but more importantly, for the work that you are doing day in and day out on behalf of first responders, military veterans. It really means a lot to know that we have advocates 
out there, such as yourself and your wife, Carissa, and your the whole team uh, that works with uh, Stronger Families throughout that entire network. Well, man, it's uh, all because of what you guys do. So thank you. And uh, thanks for letting me on, be on your show. Go Blazers. Absolutely. And go, go Blazers. Blazers. Come on now. <laughs> go Blazers. Pride of Oregon. All right, man. Well, I look forward to connecting with you again soon, Nolan. I hope to uh, do more work with you down the road in the future. Absolutely. That's a guarantee right there. That is for sure going to be happening. So All right, in time, man. watch out. See Ryan on Stronger Families, man. It's, it's going to be a thing. So There we go. All right, man. I'm looking forward to it. All, <laughs> All right, right. Go get out of here. Go uh, enjoy the presentation there yep. of your daughter. Okay, man. All right. Talk thanks for later. the time, Noel. Bye. Right, See ya. That's a wrap on episode 28 with Noel Metter. Thanks again to Noel for joining me on The Bravest Kind. And on behalf of all first responders, military, and veterans, much respect and gratitude for the work you and your team at Stronger Families are doing. It's important and necessary. If you'd like to learn more about Stronger Families or to donate to the cause, please visit their website at strongerfamilies.com. To find out more about what's going on in my world and check out stories of guests that have appeared on The Bravest Kind, you can visit my website at ryanshafer.com. That's R-Y-A-N-S-H-E-A-F-F-E-R.com. You can also find the show on Apple or Spotify podcasts. One final reminder to share, rate, and subscribe to The Bravest Kind with Ryan Schaefer. We'll be back at it next week with another fearless guest. Until then, continue to be brave in your own lives.